I really loved during 1999, just right at the end, where Prince is like chanting to the crowd, somebody raise your hand, somebody raise your hand. And then in the very next breath, he says, don't let nobody tell you what to do. And it's like, you just told (laughs) you just said to people, raise your hand. And it's like, that is hilarious. Hmm. (laughs) Oh, God, I never even noticed that. Oh, that's classic. Welcome to the Peach and Black Plus podcast, a show dedicated to the live legacy of his royal badness, that skinny motherfucker with the high voice, Mr. Prince Rogers Nelson. Featuring the hosts, Rob S. Without a doubt, the best version they've ever done. Captain. People who were there said it was a great show. Player. I really like the sound, like the audio quality sounds really good. And Toe Jam. He always does something different to what the other two are doing. Thank you for subscribing to Peach and Black Plus. Now it's time to sit back and enjoy as we head back in time to relive this episode's historic live purple performance. Over to you, Rob S. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Peach and Black Plus podcast. Whether you're a current Plus member or if you want to learn more about how to become one, you can go to peachandblackplus.com, learn more, and we hope to see you soon. Now, as everyone knows, we've been reviewing the 1999 Super Deluxe release. We're almost done. We're almost finished. Oh my God, (laughs) finally. (laughs) Someone's very excited. Uh, Part of that Super Deluxe box set is a live DVD of the Houston show from late 1982. And so seeing that we've launched a new extension show called Peach and Black Plus, where we review live performances, we've decided to review the Houston concert as a plus episode. So this is an official Peach and Black Plus podcast episode, completely different from our normal show And we thank you for listening. Now let's get right into this. This is our Peach and Black Plus review of the Houston Concert DVD. And we've got a lot to discuss tonight. But before we do, the normal intro from left to right, player. Don't you let nobody tell you what to do. (laughs) Toe jam. Purple politician. (laughs) And captain. I screamed the wrong name. That's, I'm not sure what that refers to. Maybe maybe I'll learn about it throughout the show. And it's uh, Rob S. in front of this microphone, MC. as always. Really excited, actually, today to get into this um, release. This is a live DVD that has come out as part of the deluxe box set, as we said earlier. And we're about to go into our review, plus style. So let's just intro this by talking about the context Details surrounding the show, special guests, if there were any, or special, you know, trivia, bits and bobs, all that sort of stuff. What can you guys tell our listeners about this concert? Other than nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll go. Okay, so this was part of Prince's Triple Threat Tour, I guess it was called, where just after releasing the 1999 album in October 1982, shortly afterwards, he kicked off a pretty lengthy tour with his band and uh, not just that but special guests so the special the special opening acts were vanity six followed by the time followed by prince and i think it's accurate to say prince and the revolution 
And it's also accurate to say you won't find the first two acts on this DVD. No, yes, they're correct. Exactly. <laughs> and we wish, we wish, how long would this review have been? This would have been a crazy <laughs> mammoth multi-part <laughs> Beach and Black Plus review. Well, let me just add, everyone calls this the Triple Threat Tour, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that it was never officially called that. It's just been called that since. In, but since, at the yeah. time, it was never mm. called the Triple Threat Tour, which is so interesting because it it's a great name, but no one seemed to think of it at the time. Yeah, you could have called it the three times two equals. <laughs> um, but in essence, this is Prince's biggest tour to date, right? Behind his arguably his biggest album up until that point. And, you know, yes, performing. Yes, but yeah? supposedly 1999, the album really didn't take off until uh, Little Red Corvette was released yeah. as a single in early 83. So at this point, you know, according to Dwayne Tudal's book on the, the Purple Rain sessions, like uh, he starts his book on the like the 2nd of January, 83. And this is only a few days before that. And supposedly the 1992 was successful, but it wasn't the massive smash at first that um, maybe some of the insiders were expecting. So this is right on that point just before it really exploded with um, Little Red Corvette getting airplay on uh, MTV and that sort of thing. Which is interesting because Little Red Corvette isn't in the, this set list. Yeah, not even. And I yeah. thought that was quite unusual. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's, cra- that's a crazy thing to think about, that the arguably the second biggest single, uh, maybe the biggest depending on who you ask or which chart you look at, which point in history, isn't part of this show. Yeah, a bit, bit mind-boggling. So, I mean, the other thing about this concert is obviously it's at the end of the, towards the end of the year, 29th of December. Was this, was this like the part one of the tour and then he took some time off and like redid a few things and came back with like part two of the tour? Is that, am I correct in that? Um, There's a little, I mean, the tour starts in November, goes pretty extensive through November, December, then into January. There's a little bit of a gap in January. And then it continues on in February pretty extensively till the end of, uh, till mid-April or so. So it, oh, okay. there's like a, yeah, there's maybe like a 28 days worth of break in uh, after the 3rd of January. So oh, Okay, so it's near the end of the first part, yeah. But at the start of the tour, he was playing smaller venues and then the second half, he was playing the bigger yep. arenas. Mm. Yeah, and I'm guessing he was, and I'm guessing he was playing Little Red Corvette after that. Surely we'd have to look at the set list. Yeah, the other thing about this concert being at the end of 1982 to be around other things that he was doing, or is it really just the case that Prince came out with this album that he had been working on for a while, and you know now he's hitting the stage? Well, I was just thinking today while I was watching it and reviewing it, just with this whole. 1982 is just such a massive year when you consider there's, you know, five discs on this set that we've been reviewing and and then, you know, the live stuff starts from November to December and just think how much stuff he recorded, how much he would have had to rehearse to get the tour up and running in time for the end of 82. Like, what a massive year that was. Mm, Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and the other thing about this DVD, I guess, that we're talking about, but filmed live performance is that it's one of the few commercially available official live performances that you can get as a Prince fan, you know? There's only a small handful, and certainly from this era, um, there's nothing outside of Syracuse 1985 that is remotely close to this period. So historically, I think fans got super excited when it was announced that this was going to be part of the Super Deluxe set, and uh, we're about to go into whether we like it or we don't, and how much we do uh, in either direction. So without further ado, 
Oh, we let's, got it right. Oh, let's go into ah, our next section, the gold standard. Do, 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 the gold standard. That's how it goes. <laughs> Pause for music insertion. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into our gold standard segment. Now, we've named this the gold standard because this is the part of the show where we talk about our highlights, favorite moments, basically anything positive about the performance that we're talking about. Hence, why we call it the gold standard. And obviously also uh, name checking the song on Artificial Age. So let me hand over this mic to Toe Jam to introduce... The first segment, the gold standard. What are your favorite parts and moments? All right, I'm, I'm glad I'm going first on this one. This is um, obviously everyone who knows our normal show will know that the 1999 album and that era is my favorite era. So this is a great show, of course. It's so good to have it finally uh, released on DVD, visuals of some sort, pro shot. I'm going to go through the musical aspects of the show and uh, call out the bits that I really like. Let's work. I just love the energy in that one. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously the show starts with controversy with that big kick drum going, but uh, I think it really starts going crazy when it gets to let's work. You know, Prince comes down the slidey fireman pole, uh, the lights come on, he comes to the front of the stage, it's all dancing and playing and pointing out to the audience, you know, laughing and joking with them, pulling some faces and making some rude gestures, etc. Like, and everyone's just going nuts. Hmm. So I love the I love the beginning of that when it comes up. Like I was just saying, Prince is pointing to the crowd, and at one at one point he like literally points to someone directly in the front row and says, hot dick and bubble gum is all you get, you know, straight to that person. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> uh, then it goes into Do Me Baby, which is also great. Classic third track being a ballad. Yep. Even way back Break then he down. was doing that. Yeah, yep. Break it down. It is a little bit quicker tempo than the album version, I think. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that the first three songs are controversy songs and not 1999 songs. Exactly. Jimmy Baby, again, he's playing heaps with the crowd. Uh, like he goes to sing the first note and he just sort of backs off and falls to the ground like, oh, I can't do this. You know, <laughs> uh, Really funny. If anything, he probably has a little bit too much energy when it gets to Jimmy Baby. It's like he's so pumped up and he's he's going yeah. a little bit too over the top. Ooh. At 14.55 during Jimmy Baby, he does this weird like unicorn unicorn-like hop across the stage and then he just goes into this massive scream there and then he just drops the mic and jumps onto the speaker i mean it's so over dramatic it's clearly humorous it's intended to be humorous if you're taking it seriously you're like what the hell is this <laughs> but once you realize he's just joking around it's it's hilarious uh goes into dmsr the first 1999 um song some funny moments in that when there's a big close-up of Des Dickerson uh, singing like a whore. You know, I'm sure Des would have loved singing that line. Uh, <laughs> and it's definitely weird, like, hearing some of those lyrics that often when he played DMSR from 2004 onwards, you know, a lot of those more raunchy lyrics were taken out. So it's interesting yeah. to hear them. Um, you kind of, I'm so used to hearing those later recordings that when they come out now, I'm like, oh, wow, they're actually singing like a whore. You know, <laughs> I like the bit. Uh, when I heard... 1999 tour shows just audio like there's always that point where lisa just lets out this big massive scream in dms oh, that's, that's for the next uh, section yeah oh well hang on hang on <laughs> what i'm getting at with that is <laughs> maybe he likes it <laughs> well i never liked that part just listening to the audio but seeing the visuals you see just before that happened prince starts pointing a gun to the audience like obviously yeah. just with his fingers and it's like, oh, that kind of makes more sense now. Whereas in my head before, it was just this random thing that would just happen. It goes on to a bit of a improvised solo by Lisa, very synthy, very 80s, maybe a little bit dated there. 
Lisa blowing her hair while she's doing that, like you know, blowing uh, the yeah. fringe up. That's so classic Lisa. Like you just it see is. that. Like that's, that's so cool. Ray. Yeah, yeah. Prince gets on the piano then and starts doing some cool stuff. Um, starts doing some boogie woogie, delirious kind of improvising, improvising mm. sort of stuff. Then it goes into how come you don't call me anymore, and I think this is the real highlight of this show. How come you don't call me is just always the greatest live when he does it on the piano, and he always does it differently. Uh, which I said when we reviewed the take two recently on the Super Deluxe set, he always does the song differently. He never just plays, you know, straight verse, chorus, verse, chorus, outro, done. You know, he always mucks around with it in different ways. So it's really good. Uh, in this one, he, you know, he repeats the turnaround a bit, that down on my knees, begging you please, please. Mm, yeah. And which is, which is the part that he often does repeat. But this one, he keeps getting higher and higher and higher and higher on the please, please, please. And then he eventually just hits this massive high C sharp just like holds it like an opera singer, like, oh, <laughs> and then, you know, just pulls back, jumps on the piano, you know, swirls around on the piano and the crowd's going nuts. And then it goes into like this uh, extended outro part where the rest of the band come to the mics and they're, they're just repeating, singing, how come you don't call me? And Prince mm. goes on the speech and man, like he had such charisma at this time. Like he's just up to the crowd, like. And he's toying with them as if the crowd are the girl that aren't calling him. And you can hear all the girls in the audience going, oh, but Prince, I would call you. I would call you. <laughs> and he's like, how come you don't call me anymore? You know? <laughs> so like, I love that section. It's pretty long, but it's, it's really good. Like just Prince's charisma and his ability to just work that crowd into an absolute frenzy. So good. You know, the, f- the funny thing I find with that conversation is to me, that is the same part of the show that evolved into his conversation with God on the Purple Rain tour. Yes, it's just I him. was just about to say that. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I was about to say, like, when he did this on the Purple Rain tour, I think it started going a little bit too over the top. Yeah. Like, in the 1999 tour, from what we see here, it's right at the peak where he's whipping them into a frenzy. When it gets to the Purple Rain tour, it's like, he's, like he's whipped that thing so many times that it's starting to get a bit stale and he's trying to do something different with it with the, the god speech and thing but anyway maybe i say something like that on the syracuse review yeah i think you did, we did say something like that yeah uh it goes into automatic that's one of my favorite songs although maybe doesn't translate so well live but hey in this one he does the he does uh the red corvette dance yeah the little red corvette yeah. dance and step for step spin for spin split for split and it makes me wonder was that dance originally in this or was it originally in little red corvette no, you know what it was here I reckon he'd probably just recorded the video or he'd been practicing the dance for the video. So that's yeah. why it was in his head. And he's like, I'll just do this on stage just whenever because no one knows what it is yet. <laughs> and it's crazy because it's like it's the exact same movements. It's like a choreographed thing. Like, you know, Prince mm. is normally with his dancing is a bit more fluid, a bit more you know, improvising, making it up as he goes. But this one's like step for yeah. step. Um, but that's cool. All right, international lover. I mean, oh god, WTF in the in the funniest way. Oh god, this is funny. I, lo- <laughs> I, I thought I just, you were going to leave this for one of our next segments. I'm surprised no, this no. is a highlight no, for this you, is Toe Jam. Toe Jam's okay. gold standard favorite parts is pretty much the entire show. Yes, yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> which we I knew. Mean, we knew. Uh, I, th- I just think I just watched this today, and I just I pissed myself laughing for about five minutes. <laughs> I think the the thing with Prince in the early 80s is if you took him seriously, he seriously comes across as a nutter, like a weirdo nutter. But when you realize that the comedy elements, like, you know, I think I think it was Miles who compared him to like Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. And, and once you once you get that, stuff like International Lover is just absolutely hilarious. You know, he, he does the whole speech for ages and the band just kind of settles down into this real 
gentle sort of background groove, really great interplay between all the all the musicians at that point. Prince goes up to the top of the stage, <laughs> dances around like this little unicorn strut that he does across the stage looking at people and and suddenly just like looks to the center and puts his finger down. This bed comes up. You're like, yeah. oh, God, this is so hilarious. And then he just <laughs> proceeds to do this full like strip tease. <laughs> oh, man. And then he gets on the bed and just, just humps the thing like... Like nothing else. He's having a great time. Oh, man. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. Ah, It's just hilarious. See, the problem with that is you can't show this video to anyone because if they don't know Prince <laughs> exactly. and they don't know his sense of humour, they'll be like, what the hell is this? This yeah. is this is not right. <laughs> yeah. And, man, when he's doing some of those, uh, I guess, thrusts, I guess you'd call them, like he's yeah. twisting his back. If I tried that, my back would snap completely. <laughs> <laughs> You're just not doing it right. What's wrong with you? <laughs> All right, I'm trying not to say everything. So, um, 1999, it's great. You know, it's my my favorite song. Of course, it's going to be great. But I really love the the outro that that he did live, which wasn't, uh, wasn't on any yeah. of the album versions. You know, and it has like this big church organ going. It's almost like something out of 2001: A Space Odyssey, and the big chords going. With all those, you know, church arpeggios going on, it's it's almost like something out of Interstellar. You know, they had also had a big uh. chord arpeggio thing going on with big, booming bassy sounds and things. Uh, yeah, so they're my highlights. Really good. Um, but yeah, what a show! So many classic moments. Prince in you know the peak of his game. He's he's so youthful and energetic in this show. Yeah, uh, it's just brilliant. Awesome, awesome to hear that. Now I'm gonna hand over the mic to Captain. Ooh, I watched this show a couple times and like to when to write notes for it and I actually had a hard time picking some favorite parts. I mean, overall it's a really good show, but like it didn't have any really like just total blow your head off moments, but then I watched it again and I watched it again and things came to me and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, actually that is really good." Like the, I think the first few times I watched it through, I'm just like, "Ah, oh, yeah. Here we go." But then the more I watched it, I'm like, oh, there's some good stuff here. So here we go in my list. Toe Jam said pretty much everything I'm going to say, but that's fine. <laughs> um, I like the piano boogie thing he plays just before How Come You Don't Call Me. And I think there's a little bit of, is it With You? Some other song he plays yeah, just there as well. it's With You. So this is like one of the first, actually, this I can say this is the first pro shot video we have of him doing like a little mini piano medley. It's only got two or three songs, but yeah, it's good. Lady Cab Driver is good. It's a rarely performed track, and Dr. Fink does his solo, and it's great. But there's also some other big issues with that song, but I'll, we'll get to that later. Automatic is pretty good. Like Toejam said, hearing a band do it was weird or something. Like, I think it's great to hear a full band version. I'm so used to hearing that cold album version, so to hear it like this, it's different. I think, it, I think this is better. I love it with the band. I love it more than the album version. He does a cool dance yeah. bit halfway through it. And he's like, oh, do you want to see me dance? And then he walks halfway across the stage and nothing happens. And he comes back and he says it mm. again. It's like, what the hell? Make some noise. You know, it's funny. Then he does a big dance. Um, <laughs> and then we get the big end with him calling a million hits from the band, which is cool. Uh, you know, when he's up on the top of the speakers there. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Let's work. Halfway through Let's Work, he does this flying splits thing. It's just crazy. Mm. He's literally standing in one spot and he yeah. jumps like two meters in the air or however high it is. It looks really high and does this massive kick split thing. And you're just like, what did I just see? Holy moly. That's another backbreaker. I tried that. My yeah. back is gone. <laughs> <laughs> 
we need to do a um, don't try this at home. Don't try this at home. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Don't don't do that. <laughs> don't watch this. And you're like, oh, I could do that, and then you're in hospital. <laughs> Not good. Also in Let's Work, Doctor Fink gets his great solo. That's another good thing. Now, how come you don't call me? Tojam said. But an interesting thing I noticed was I'm not 100% sure on this. I'm like 80, 85% sure. The backing vocals on How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, I'm pretty sure they're samples. It really sounds like him. So I'm thinking even back in 82, he was playing live with like sample backing vocals. I'm like, was like Lisa triggering them or how was that working? Because the section you said like later on where they just keep saying How Mm. Come You Don't Call Me? If you listen, they're all doing really specific like bends and harmonies, and I doubt they could have done them exactly the same like 20 times in a row. It really sounds like samples. And then earlier in the song, when you first hear the backing vocals, it really sounds like him. And I'm like, really? Like someone tell me if I'm wrong, like anyone who actually knows, but I just, I heard that and I'm like, wow, that is, that is something for 1982 at least. No, nobody? Not sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I don't hear, I don't yeah. hear that. I, I can hear the choir of vocals from the band, but um, that just sounds like voice, voices. Because Des has a mic. Brown Mark didn't even have a mic that I saw. So, no, they, they certainly come up to the mics and sing that part. You can see their silhouettes doing coming up to the mic. Ooh. They could be miming. They could be miming. I don't they know. could be. But they think, um, like, Prince got his first sampler in 87, right, with uh, Son of the Times. Okay, the so player just blows the whole thing away. Great. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just trying to think logically. Like, Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. It just sounded to me like... You know, and they were all perfect, like perfect harmonies every time. And I'm like, no one can do that. Well, that <laughs> that's what happens when you rehearse 25 hours a day. So <laughs> No, they were spot on every single one. Yeah, but see, I put that in the, in the next section because I think they sound all out of tune every time they sing it. Oh, really? Ooh. Yeah, and when it starts getting really repetitive, it, get, it starts to grate on me. <laughs> but I'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. Okay. Okay, so maybe not a sampler, but... Okay, moving on. I, I guess 1999 is the highlight. It, it has to be, doesn't it? Prince slides down the fireman pole again in his big shiny trench coat. It was mm. really good to see him perform this song when you know it's not the 8,000th time that he's done it. It's still yeah. like a mm. new song and you can like you can just see that energy and it's, it's still fresh and it's not a millionth time that he's played it. So that's cool. I like in 99 how he does that triple clap, slap your face thing. If you don't know what that is, then who are you? Uh, what are yeah, you doing yeah. here? Don't bother knocking on Captain's door. <laughs> That's it. I like Toe Jam said the same thing. That outro jam thing on 1999, just after he says, Mommy, why does everyone have a bomb? That is just some funky stuff. And then Dez does a big solo up the top there, plays behind his head. And I think at some other point he plays with his teeth or he tries to yeah, earlier, yeah. somewhere earlier in the show. That's cool. Head. Head. Ah, oh, let me just say this about head. Um... I've been so busy the last few months, I haven't really had time to sit down and watch oh, this. We don't want to hear about your personal life. <laughs> Review the song for God's sake. Exactly. Where is this going? Exactly. I don't want to know. Hmm. Like, let me just say. I've been I so busy. No. I've been so busy the last few months that I haven't really had time to sit down and watch this whole show, like, all the way through and, like, concentrate on it. And it's been ages since I'd heard any 1999 show at all. So I had no idea of the set list and I didn't look at it. I just watched the show a bunch of times. So mm. the set list was I, like, I almost did an MC. Like I just had no idea what was, I did an MC by accident. <laughs> I didn't know the track list. I didn't look at it. I didn't know what was coming. Like, did you like candles? Oh, uh, I was thinking about it. 
but it was it was a total fire ban, so I decided not to get arrested. Um, Doesn't stop MC. <laughs> but it got to the end of 1999, and I'm like, what's next? And I'm like, well, it's got to be Literary Corvette. I mean, what else would it be? And then he starts playing Head, and I'm like, oh, what? What is going on? I did not expect that. And then I remembered, like, way back before this was released, I remember seeing the set list, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. That was on there, but I had didn't expect it at all. And it was just so good to see it because most of us, none of us, haven't had a chance to see that live in the past few decades. So it was just really cool. Uh, I just want to know what was up with his guitar because you can see on the back of his um the the telly, this whole section on the back has got the massive <laughs> silver gaffer tape all over it. And I'm like, what is going on there? He smashed yeah. the crap out of it or something because it's not doing well. No. No, he, no you he know what take- it is? It's the wireless transmitter for his battery power. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, after that, he had it sewn into the guitar strap. But he was doing it on the cheap. On the cheap, During the yeah. 99 tour. Yeah, it was all silver gaffer tape. Because uh, I saw that a few times and I'm like, what the hell's going on there? Yeah. And of course, That's in the, the head, battery pack. Dr. Fink solo. Just nails it. Total classic, of course. And then Brown Mark does a solo, and that is freaking amazing. Yeah. It's not loud enough yeah. for me. I mean, you can hear it, but it's not. It could be louder. But holy moly, that is just some good stuff. And like, <laughs> you can see Prince's face when he's yeah. listening to that bass solo, and he, even he knows he's like, that is good. That is some good stuff. Yeah. And yeah, then he goes into sexuality, and I'm like, what? Ah. Oh. It was good. Well, anyway, what's cool about that yeah. is just before he sings the sexuality chant, he's like, nah, fuck it. And then he sings the sexuality yeah, chant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, almost I'm like, gonna we're not going to do, do anyway. sexuality. He's like, yeah. oh, fuck it, we'll do it. So. <laughs> but that, that's, I'll, I'll leave. So I've got about four more things, but I'll, I'll shut up now. Somebody else. Okay. <laughs> uh, player, what are your highlights of this show? Uh, there's a few, so I'll just run through them. You know, it starts out with controversy, which is pretty cool. He's mostly silhouette. And it's a very funky version. And he stays on that top tier riser. And it's very mm. reminiscent of the start of the nude tour where you didn't really see him at all. He performs the whole song up there in the shadows. Ah, yeah. Very, very similar. So, of course, Let's Work is the first time you see him. And as Toe said, there's heaps of performance energy. It's very over the top. And the vibe I get straight away when I watch that is everyone says how the time comes out and kicks his ass. So, it's like he has he's trying so hard to sort of beat them yeah that's the vibe i get like he's trying to really overdo it and like really turn it up and you can you can see it which is why um, including that time and vanity six set on this would have been a great move because we yeah. could have seen the the night as it unfolded yeah yeah the des guitar solo in that as well is great and dr fink of course being um let's work that was really cool Doomy Baby's great up until the climax, but I'll leave that till later. <laughs> DMSR is the first 1999 song, which, again, it's like three tracks in. That's the 1999 tour. <laughs> it's, you know, it comes up as the fourth song. How come you don't call me anymore? The actual song part is great. I agree with that. It's, it's really cool. Lady Cab Driver's The Heat. It's really good. Um, that's the part where Des does his solo with the teeth. Ah, uh, yeah. As already been said, Automatic has a little red Corvette dance. I really like how at the end he sits on top of the kick drum spotlight thing. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. There's a great little look between him and Bobby Z when they do that as well. Yep. Like he yep. gets on there and then he has a little look. They both have a little moment of, yeah, that's funny. Well, that's cool. <laughs> 1999, of course, he has a sparkly coat, purple coat. The stage is well lit up. You can see everything really good. And yeah, I was like Captain. I thought, oh, well, that's... You know, you leave the hit song for the end of the show. It's a, it's very common for... If you go to any concert, most acts 
you know, save their biggest song for the last, <laughs> the very last song. Yeah. So you have to endure the whole concert. You know, <laughs> some people just come for that one song. You know, you have to sit through the whole concert. Just Here's to that. seven and tracks they, and from my brand new album, which no one likes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so these artists know that, you know, when they play the hit song last, they always do it, you know. And I thought, oh, well, this is the last song, you know. And then so I was quite surprised. There's like the encore and it's of all songs head. So, <laughs> yeah, that brown mark solo. I mean, he's slapping it so hard. It's so cool. <laughs> uh, this, I know this is like, you know, the good section. And this is not neither good or bad. It's just an observation. But <laughs> I really love during 1999, just right at the end where, Prince is like chanting to the crowd, somebody raise your hand, somebody raise your hand. And then in the very next breath, he says, don't let nobody tell you what to do. And it's like, <laughs> you just told <laughs> you just said to people, raise your hand. And it's like, that is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I've never even noticed that. Oh, that is classic. I did not it make that classic. connection at all when I was watching it. Either. It's like the oh, very God. next breath. It's, it's just like, oh, that's hilarious. Put your hands up. And Sing I louder. <laughs> don't let anyone tell you what to do. That's <laughs> like the old, um, the Star Wars nerds will know this one where Obi-Wan says, only Sith deal in absolutes. Well, hang on. Isn't that an absolute statement? So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's some of my highlights. I'll, I'll leave MC to round it up. Oh, that's all? Yeah, okay. I'll leave it at that. All right. So my undoubted highlight of the entire concert is that very performance of the song 1999. I think that's the zenith of this show. Like everything comes together on this song. It's like the whole concert has been building up to this. Everything's mm. come together perfectly. By that point, both he and the band have warmed up. They're really in their element. It's an absolute joy to watch. I get like chills thinking about how good everyone plays on that song and how every it's just everyone's in sync. It's just like a perfect performance of one of his biggest ever tracks. Certainly at that point, I mean, it was released, the single 1999 was released in late September. So this is three months later, right? So there, there would have been some airplay already. But yeah, there's, it's just out of control. Now, there's a specific moment in the 1999 song that is my absolute favorite part of this entire concert. And I'm referring to the last minute, to the last minute of this performance, the part towards the end where they, they're ending the song, Prince is playing a coda on his guitar that kind of sounds like the end of some sort of Muse song where Matt Bellamy rips into guitar solos. It's very reminiscent of that sound, although obviously Prince is doing it many, many years before, decades before Matt from Muse. Uh, so he does this, Prince does this crazy, I guess it's a pentatonic guitar solo motif, if you will, and then he proceeds to strut around the stage, approach the mic, and I'm going to talk about the same section that Player just did. He raises his fist and yells the words, 1999, 1999. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody raise your hand. But for me, that final line, the spine tingling line, don't let nobody tell you what to do, comes across very, very differently. Like, well, I cracked up when Player made, made that uh, observation, which I, like, I didn't see that at all. But also I didn't kind of make Well, the, yeah, that, you know, wasn't, that wasn't his intention. But like... Well, we hope not. <laughs> yeah, when you look at it like that, it's like, oh, you it's know, hilarious. It's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, but 
<laughs> Even he didn't mean it that way. Damn you, play. I'll never be able to look at that moment the same way again. Because <laughs> for me, that's just the moment of the show and possibly one of the great moments of his career, and I've only just seen it. Like that, don't let nobody tell you what to do. The, the way that he says that. that, this, that yeah, to a know. group of kids. Like as you, if you walk away from that, it's like, oh, you, know, yeah. you want to go out and rule the world kind of thing. Yeah. It's 100% awesome. what you just said. It's like that could change someone's life. That yep. that ten seconds. It's I'm getting chills thinking about it now. It's absolutely mesmerizing. It's almost like this, as player just mentioned, this inspirational call to action, an absolutely awesome moment. Like I cannot overdo it without even feeling like I'm not embarrassed to say it's it's by far the greatest part of this show. Well, you know and what's what's more, a, what's yeah. cool about that though is not a hundred percent, but his entire career and life was almost living by that motto. Like how many times did he do stuff that other people just would not do? And when people said you can't do this, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to do this then. Yeah, Yeah, And, you know, Warner Brothers, all this. Imagine if that comment came from a Warner Brothers issue way back in like 1981. (laughs) Imagine if the problem started then. It's just crazy to even think about. But yeah, he always had a problem with people telling him, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And he's like, well, guess what? (laughs) It's it's happening. I'm doing it. Yeah. It's that lyric. Um, Putting on something that another won't dare. Oh, there's many. There's well, many. that one. Or um, they tell me to walk a straight line. I put, put on crooked well, shoes. Crooked That's such a great shoes, line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's loads more if you went and looked for them too. Yeah. It's crazy. But it, it's such a call to arms though. It, it, it really, it was inspirational for me to hear it. And it just kind of, what's really interesting you're, about you're that moment is- Yes, kick in the backside for sure, this this part. But what's really interesting to me is that Prince notices, and th- this is, if the other part was spine tingling, this is almost chilling. Prince actually notices, before he says any of that, he notices a growing number of people voluntarily, without him directing, to, without him directing them to do this, they voluntarily put their hands and their rock-on hand gestures into the air. Before he says a word, and and without flinching, he does the same as them. He mimics them, and then yells twice into the microphone. Somebody raise your hand! Somebody raise your hand! And it's almost like he he realized, oh my god, there's a power in this room. This crowd are like they're they're putting up the rock hand sig like rock on symbol. I'm I'm killing it right now. And he takes instead of just observing that moment and and um, enjoying it. He takes it a step further. And then by the end of that, you know, little part, almost everyone, like damn near the whole audience have got their hands in the air. It's just really incredible to, to watch and to, and to look at. But then the final piece of this tremendous, yeah, tremendous little moment is when he says the word, all right. Like he almost says it to himself. He's like, all right. He's just feeling it, right? This is yeah. the precise moment of the show where Prince appears to be on top of the world. You can pretty much sense his sense of accomplishment, the joy amongst all the adrenaline that must have been running through his veins. It's almost as if he can't believe how good this moment is, that his dream of being yeah. a superstar performer, musician is becoming a reality in front of his eyes. Like, holy shit, everyone's responding. It's at that moment when the audience put up all their fists and arms and are mimicking him. 
He looks like someone who's just like won them all over. And the look of on his face is like, holy cow, right? I just kicked some ass. <laughs> wow. Something on, yeah. I'll just say something on that is you go back and listen to a lot of early shows around, you know, 80, 81, 82, 83, even 84, 85. You still hear like that thing where you said, where he said, all right. And it's just like an honest thing, like straight from him. He's not even thinking about, you know, I'm in front of all these people. It's just like an honest thing. And you go back and listen to like really early shows and you hear a fair bit of that. And then as the years went on, it got less and less and less. I don't know if that was, you know, he just got used to it. He just got a bit jaded or something, but he sort of dropped he got that, that purple rain money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you just saw a bit, not in every way, but just in that way, you saw a bit less of that, like, you know, that's honest Prince, like right there. He's just like, oh, fuck mm. yeah, this is great. And yeah. whatever he said at the time. And it still did happen at various points uh, later on, but it was a lot rarer. But this time, yeah. you know, this was, like you said, this is the point where he's on stage and this tour and probably the second part of this tour even more where he's like, this is happening. This is, this is, this is gonna, this is gonna work. This is yeah, really a, going well. <laughs> it's a huge wow moment. And then he's surrounded in smoke that by now is threatening to take over the stage. All the stage lights are on and that huge musical wall of sound that brings the song to a close, you know, ends up just so intensely it's just incredible an absolutely incredible moment that i can just watch on repeat so that's undoubtedly the biggest highlight a couple of more comments from me around this show though head is definitely in second place which is funny that my two favorite performances are the last two of this show the reason why i think head is so good is like the shirt's off he's got a piece of fabric or whatever it is around his neck the band are looking equally hot you know, sweaty, sleazy. He's basically turned, him and the band have turned this venue from a, a concert venue or hall to a gritty nightclub by the end of it. Like it starts to get really dirty in the best possible way. So that's by far my um, my second biggest highlight. And then just a few final notes. That flashing light intro that starts uh, at the beginning of the concert with controversy. Did you have, did you have another fit? <laughs> well, the, I didn't want to say what this could do to someone, but certainly, yeah, I, I enjoyed this bit. And, if you're and, susceptible and to flashing lights, maybe not get through that first track. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe skip the first show, first part of the show. But then if you watch really closely during the performance of Controversy, Prince's left leg is slamming on the, oh, yeah. on the floor. His boot is slamming with the kick drum and then he's bobbing his head to the beat while he's strutting around about three quarters of the way through controversy just great to see like energy and enthusiasm he knows he has to kick some butt right you guys have covered a lot of this but in let's work there's actually plenty of rhythm guitar throughout right and, and as you mentioned the short guitar solo but i feel like on in the live version of that song there's just a heavier guitar feel like a lot heavier. And I don't know whether that's Dez's influence, you know, and I'm assuming that it might be, but whoever made that decision, I think it's a much better decision. It sounds like the let's rock version of this song that never came out, but maybe could have. So that's cool. Speaking of solos, again, you guys mentioned the Dr. Fink solo during uh, let's work. His face is even better than what he plays. Like <laughs> he's just—he's like in a, on a, in another world. I just love watching yeah. Doctor Fink on this tour. That's really really cool. I just want to say yeah. something about Dez's solos. Am I right? I didn't take specific notice of this, but does Prince not do a guitar solo? Is every solo Dez? Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much, except for nineteen ninety-nine. Prince does. Yeah, Prince does mainly rhythm. 
all the way yeah through. which is when yeah. you think about it, it's pretty weird to watch a show and prince not do yeah. a guitar solo like mm. saving yeah. that for the next section yeah <laughs> back in these early days it was still like a band you know like Boys, that's that's yeah. the lead guitarist over there and that's the bass yeah. player and like you know prince didn't pick up a bass he didn't jump on the drums he was the singer and occasionally played some rhythm guitar so it was yeah it's just a bit weird to watch a whole show and then realize hang on he didn't do a solo what mm. knowing mm, you know what awful. we know now in this day and age it's just like crazy to think he did a whole show and he didn't really play guitar that's crazy well he didn't play much guitar outside of the the rhythm yeah uh, rhythm chugging but his vocal performances are pretty extraordinary i mean for a guy that was 24 years old at the time i was just about to say that doomy baby is super strong it includes his first proper screams of the show he hits a couple oh yeah um, the big high note then, there. yeah 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 and, and when he's on the side riser he, although he's screaming and he's feeling the music you can actually see him take his hand and he's basically smashing or slapping his hand on the side riser as the snare is played a few times. It's like, it's so obvious that he knows his show like the back of his hand. And, you know, we wouldn't expect any less, but to see that at such an early stage, um, it just shows you the the meticulous nature of preparing for a show uh, if your name is Prince. So that's really cool to see. Do Me Baby with the, with the outro that's different to the album version is nice. Now, you guys have covered a lot on this show uh, already, I guess, how come you don't call me anymore? The thing that I noticed and that I was actually surprised, pleasantly surprised by was not not so much to do with the music, but right at the beginning when he plays the first few notes of how come you don't call me anymore. Did you guys hear the audience go crazy? Oh, because, yeah, they know. They know what's coming. Yeah, they know that he's about to do how come you don't call me anymore, but it was only released as a B-side, you know, three months ago. Um, yeah, the most but, recent B-side though. So it's like at that yeah. point, it's like the newest song. So Yeah, yeah. So clearly like pretty much the whole audience, you would think are, are hardcore Prince fans. <laughs> That's what it sounds like because, you know, the volume on that was super loud. Um, they clearly knew that song and they wanted to hear it. I do like the band acting as choir doing that vocal accompaniment. I do think it goes on for a bit long, but aside from There's that- There's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. Okay. So aside from that, the, the length, I don't mind it. Like, it's it's quite nice. Like he, he rarely did that. Usually it was just him, piano and voice later in his career. The reason for the length is they're packing up his piano. So <laughs> he has to draw it out. Because when he finishes the song, he's back in the middle of the stage, piano's gone. So he's drawing it out while they're packing all that up. So uh-huh. there's a reason why it goes for so long. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And clearly those guys didn't do a swift enough job. <laughs> MC seemed confused at the start of the show with my intro when I said I screamed the wrong name. Uh, That is specifically from this section. Okay. Because he he comes out and he says something like, um, I made love to my woman last night. Or, I mean, attempted to or something ridiculous. (laughs) And he's like, you know, we were doing something. And then he says something. I was like, I I screamed a name. But... I screamed the wrong name. And it's just hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> the other funny thing in How Come You Don't Call Me is, um, I think before he goes into that speech part, he's like, he's just singing the How Come You Don't Call Me bit. And he's like, did you forget to pay the bill? It's just freaking hilarious. That is such a funny line. That was my second choice for the intro if no one else said it. But it was, uh, it's so <laughs> and again, funny. again, that line that you just mentioned is not part of the original track, right? So no. It just yeah. shows you his, his, his the humor of Prince uh, making it up in the moment. Speaking yeah. of humor, though, during International Lover, 
towards the end of it, he starts saying the line, I can make it so nice. Yeah. I can make it so nice. And that just reminds so nice. me of Morris Day yeah. <laughs> and the lines that he would say. Very, very funny. Which chocolate, chocolate's from 82. Yeah. Oh, so straight right And there. also yeah. at the end of How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, he also says, don't you want to play with my Tootsie Roll? Yeah. <laughs> is another time thing from Pandemonium. And it's also, too, out. in 1999, the song, just before Des does his solo at the top of the walkway, behind the one behind his head, Prince does the ooh, and then ooh, ooh. It's the same as Extra Lovable. It's the same call ah, chant that he chants. It's, cool. it's the Extra Lovable chant. Good spot, so he incorporates good all these. Spot, yeah. He incorporates all these little songs, yeah, within the show. That's wow. insane. That is insane. So much going on in the background that it just spills out into the main show. That's crazy. And he says I, it like, you know, he says two times, you know, he says it to the crowd. So like, you know, ooh, and then two times. Ooh, ooh. It's the same as, yeah. <laughs> wow. I completely missed that. That's cool. Yeah. So look, his vocals, I, I mentioned they're really, really strong. They are super strong on International Lover. Like he does perform this track almost like a... Uh, what's the word? Cabaret in part. It's a Broadway show. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, but there's no doubt that he was born to be on that stage. Like he is really starting to play around with you know his own character on stage. So it's really really cool. Now I have to say that Toe Jam talked about his laugh out loud moment when he strips his clothes off, etc. This is one of the other things that I really enjoy, but it is, it's one of those things like you want to watch it alone and laugh to yourself because it would be too hard to explain to other people. But I'm just going to say it in my own words. So Prince is taking his clothes off while Lisa and Matt provide his striptease music. And then Prince magically jumps, jumps onto the bed. And then again, magically, a prop near his crotch is suddenly exposed as he proceeds to have mock intercourse with a mattress. You know, you know what I think that is. I saw to that. The, it's, I it's saw that, belt. and I'm like, oh no. But it looks like you know, if you want, if you're wearing like jeans, you've got a button yeah. and a zipper. It looks like he's undone the button, pulled down the zipper, no, and then those two flaps are open. You. And then the way yes. that looks from the side looks exactly like something else. What exactly? Exactly. What a Coincidence. It is. Super Bowl 2007. What a coincidence. Um, (laughs) So, as I was saying, his crotch exposed proceeds to have mocking, of course, with the mattress to the sounds of some electric grinding machine combined with a liftoff sound effect and complete with smoke machines turned all the way up to 11. This is probably the most ridiculous thing (laughs) he's done on stage outside of maybe something in a love sexy show like it is <laughs> why is it why are you putting this in the gold standard <laughs> because it's just hilarious to me it's I his love, favorite like, part it's his favorite part it. well it's not my right, favorite gotcha. part but it is one of the highlights because it's like outside of the music this is hilarious i really want to know what that dangling prop was and i don't believe you captain um it's his pants you can you see. go watch you go back and watch it another 50 times and get back to us then okay <laughs> so that's it and that was the oh, gold standard. Okay. No, it wasn't. I got one more thing which I just thought of. Hmm. There's one section. I don't know what song it is. You've got Prince standing there at the mic. Des is right behind him on that side. Brown Mark's on the other side standing yeah. right behind him. And they're just grooving. And it just reminds yeah. me exactly of that footage from a Love Sexy After Show where he's got Levi right behind him that side, Miko right behind him that side, and they're just grooving. It's so mm. cool. It's just a really yeah. cool thing to see. And, like, Prince looks happy, and it just it's good stuff. The end. That was always the thing. He'd have, like, in the early band, it was Andre, Prince, and Dez. 
And then obviously now it's Brown Mark. And then later on, it's uh, Brown Mark, Prince and uh, Wendy. You know, this idea where the three of them come to the front and do some sort of groovy thing together. And Mm. it's good. I got one more ad as well uh, in DMSR. All the white people clap your hands on the floor now. And oh. he keeps like faking them out with the clap, you know? Yeah, it was really funny. And again, the class, the looks on his face when he's doing it, he's like, come on, white people, yep. you can do this. It's just. And uh, he keeps faking them out, like, yep. you know, he's like, one, on two, three, yep. and uh, 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 no, no. It's so good. <laughs> you guys just made me think of that, that three people coming out to the front of the stage and like kind of chiming in together and doing their song and dance routine. He actually did that right up until the end of his career, pretty yep. much. Like, if you think of Third Eye Girl, there were so many moments where the three of them did that. With it Eda looks really and, um, good. Donna and Prince. Yeah, From an cool. audience perspective, it just looks really cool when you've got three, four people yeah. just standing right close to each other and they're just, mm, they're yeah. just playing some shit and it's great. And it, it looks really good. And yeah, he it's did like it a, kiss a long time. He watched back all these shows. He's got these videos. He watched them. He knows how cool it looks. So that's why he kept doing it. It looks good. <laughs> and also, too, I've got one more thing, too. During 1999, when Prince is singing, just watch Bobby Z behind him. Like, he's playing the drums, but every so often you see him reach over and he's got, like, a lind drum at the side uh, and he's adjusting it. Like, he's tweaking it. He tweaks it and he plays and then he keeps reaching over and keeps tweaking it, like, every measure. And he keeps doing it. So, he, it's like it's running, but he's trying to keep it in time or something like it's it, it's like you know these machines are in their infancy and they probably you know don't run perfectly in time and he's like adjusting something you know just to keep it running or you know he's doing yeah. something to it and you can see it's pretty cool to watch i did notice so. like because a few points he was like standing up and he was playing and then i kept seeing him like reach over to that side as well and i'm like what's going yeah. on here okay is that All our right. favorite parts are we done finally that's it, we, it. we have completed the gold <laughs> standard and on to our next section, Shoot the Duck. Shoot the Duck. Shoot the Duck. So the Shoot the Duck segment on the Peach and Black Plus podcast is all about things that we could do without. Basically things about the show that either were a little bit annoying or frustrating or funny in, in a not so funny way. Take it away, player. Okay. Do me, baby, as great as it is. The way he hams it up on top of the speakers, <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit overblown. But, you know, it's it's part of the show. Like, he's doing the show. Like, he's turning it up. I, I think it's quite, um, you know, in this day and age, seeing those road cases on top of the speaker stacks. Like, you can see the wheels and stuff. And it's like, are they, they've stacked, like, the instrument equipment on top of the speakers. Like, if that stuff, like falls on the crowd like mm. it's a big oh&s thing oh oh&s didn't exist back then come exist. on exactly <laughs> that's that's <laughs> health and safety for our occupational health and safety for our international listeners workplace <laughs> safety it doesn't exist <laughs> dmsr uh we said this before he's got that wireless transmitter battery pack taped to the back of the guitar with a mm. crap load of gaff and you see it the, the first time in this and at the end of in, during head as well and it's just it just sticks out like dog's balls like we've said before <laughs> Um, and you know, like Purple Rain, you know, it's all refined. Like that battery pack has got its own little, yeah. you know, it's sewn into the. Well, he got he got some so. Purple Rain money. He could afford to get that stuff done. Exactly. <laughs> also, during DMSR, I noticed is he chewing gum? Like, is he chewing gum during that? If you look at some parts, it looks like he's chewing gum, and it's just like, wow, okay. Um, I didn't notice, but yeah. How come you don't call me anymore? The song, it it's great. But man, 
the way it drags out at the end, it's way too long. And I know that's used as time to pack down the piano. So I know why it's long, but it just, it just, wow. <laughs> and the backing band, to me, to my ears, I don't know, you guys seem to think differently, but it just, it sounds, that, that backing vocal, it's not harmonized and it just sounds... They sound bored and it sounds like because they're doing it like so many times over and over, it's getting to a point where they're like, they kind of get tired. You know, when you're saying something over and over and over again, it's like, oh my God, I get the feeling that they're getting like a bit like that. It sounds to me like they're not professional singers. They're professional musicians. Yeah. They know how to hold the pitch, but they're not like that. You can almost hear them thinking like hit the pitch and just stay on the pitch. Don't, you know, (laughs) don't get flat. International lover, man, this is overblown, ham up. (laughs) The strip tease the bed. I mean, we've oh. all talked about it. It's it's really, you know, you think it's cheesy on the record. Wait till you see this, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and, and then one other thing that's, like, not really got to do with the show per se, but just this DVD release. I mean, I know it says it's been video enhanced. Okay, it's shot on videotape. There's limitations to the medium. You are going to get bleeding there's only so much you can do with it, yeah. but you know you still there's still uh, artifacts and interlacing, and I'm I'm not expecting miracles. I'm not expecting them to turn it into some 4K masterpiece. You know, like these morons that are online that are going, "Oh, the Sign of the Times movie. I really wish they fixed up that you got the look video and made it the same quality as the rest of the movie." <laughs> it's never gonna happen. It will never happen. And I know that. Like, it, this, they'll never get it to, like, you know, it's not shot on film. It's not going to, they're not going to 4K remaster and all that. But they could, you know, this, there's like a hard interlacing line down the left-hand side. It's just a bit distracting. I mean, there's certain things they could have done just to clean it up a little bit. Like I said, there's people in the collector's market. They'll get their hands on this and they'll, they will fix it up better. Yeah, to this, uh, I'm just waiting version. for um, a few people I can think of to put out their own version of this DVD. Right, right. And also, too, I understand, like, you know, because it's a multicam show and all those multicams, obviously the audio is coming from the soundboard obviously, and I believe in the credits it says audio enhancement by Nico Bolas. That seems very kind of ambiguous when you look at this before the Detroit show, you know, it was like remastered audio by David Z and all this sort of stuff. Surely they would have found the soundboard of this show, remastered it, and and then obviously, yeah, it does have soundboard sound, but they could have sort of remastered it and made it just a bit more, enhanced it a bit more. So I think the picture and sound perspective, they could have done more to it. Even like putting like a simple title, you know, know, I don't expect them to do like when doves cry, split screen effects and transitions (laughs) and shit. That ruins it. I'm not asking that, but at least like some opening credits and closing titles just to kind of bookend it, make it a little bit more presentable. Mm. You know, I think they could have done just a little bit more work on it. And yeah, that's that's all I'll have to say. Okay, uh, I'm going to chime in just quickly before I hand over the mic because I've got very little to say on this one. But there are, to, to player's point, because you got me thinking about this as well, there are parts in this video where I think it's also not just a question of the fact that it was filmed in the way that it was filmed, in the se- which is to say basically VHS, but also the lighting, like the effect of the lighting in general and the background lighting because of the way it's lit, that makes it even worse. Like it just makes... Uh, it bleeds, yeah. Yeah. So well, it was a, it's not really shot for the purpose of broadcast. You know, there's theatrical lighting and then there's broadcast. Like if, you're, yeah. if a person's... Sh- 
shooting a concert, the lighting's totally different. And mm. of course, Prince is only using this as a reference, yes. kind of like a reference mix. So well, you got to keep that into consideration. But really, you know, if you view this on a phone, it doesn't look too bad on the smaller screen. If it's on a medium size, like a laptop size, you're kind of seeing the artifacts. You might just get away with it. If you're watching it on a big screen TV or at work, like I put this on the projector screens at work, and they're like massive 10 foot screens and like the, the, all these sort of artifacts, they sort of really stand out and you can really notice it. So the smaller the screen, the kind of better it looks. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just the limitations of, you know, lots of things, the medium and age and artifacts and interlacing and there's all sorts of factors, but, you know. Yeah. And I it. think the lighting just makes it, it doesn't add to it. Like it, but especially, it. yeah. Yeah, and especially during the ballads and slower songs. That's the unfortunate yeah. thing. Like, if you look at 1999, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's very, very watchable. You know, um, yes. DMSR, very, very watchable. Uh, even Let's Work, like the transition controversy to Let's Work, there's a massive difference, and that's because the stage lights, they're showing more of the stage, clearly, and the colours and all that. So I think when Lisa's doing a solo at one point, she looks green. Like she, yeah. She, yeah, she the looks lighting blue and looks green. pretty bad on that. Yeah. So I think that's unfortunate, and it, you know, it makes my shoot the duck list. But, again, it is re- reference material. This was never shot to be released as a commercial release, which I'm sure some of us will bring up later. I certainly will. But... The other thing that's frustrating, and this is a, all of these are minor quibbles. I'm very happy that we've got it, but the lady cab driver performance, like Prince's mic, I don't know what happened on his mic during that song. I don't know. Oh, if he don't get me started on that. Instructed them to do that, or whether it just, I don't know. Like it, it's, he's barely audible. There's almost no volume coming out of his mic, and there's some weird stuff happening there. It's just really, really annoying uh, on a song where you really want to hear his voice a bit more. And the other thing is, I agree that the Dr. Fink keyboard solo on head is nice, but it's shortened. It's Mm. like not the full solo. It's just a little bit and it's funky as anything, but I would have just loved to have heard the full thing and have Dr. Fink really go off, you know? Um, So that's another one. And lastly for me, I think the way that head ends oh. almost abruptly oh, <laughs> that yeah. took me that took me by surprise i was like oh where do they go is he going walking around the stage um behind the curtain like he did in um syracuse show and he's going to come back around he'll and come it's like, back no no and the video just ends there's no credits really like they play that you know, don't worry sample. yeah they do yeah, they do but off. it's yeah. but it's kind of like oh man really and I'm thinking, is that what happened on the night? And clearly that's what must have happened on the night. So that is a bit annoying to me. Probably would have been even more annoying if I had been in the audience. But I'll leave it on a positive or at least a, an interesting note is to say, I mean, that was done intentionally, right? So I guess that's exactly how you leave an audience wanting more. Yeah. <laughs> you play this funky ass song, you truncate the ending, you leave the building and everyone's going, oh my God, where did he go? Where's he playing next? <laughs> and then that's and then that's the mystery. That's how you build the hype. I mean, it's kind of genius when you think about it, even though it's on my shoot the duck list. Captain, shoot a duck, would you? Okay, let's just say the things you've already said. I could do without the infuriatingly low vocal levels on Lady Cab Driver. And it's not just Prince. All of their mics seem to be quieter, but especially his. And for such a rarely performed song, I mean, he hardly ever played this. And, you know, Morris Hay said he didn't like the way it sounded live. 
but to be barely able to hear the vocals, it's just really annoying. See, this is what I'm saying about remastering. If I mean, I don't know if it could be if it was actually picked up on the night, but mm. even if there was some sort of audibility that they could raise that and then you know layer yeah. that on top of this vision it would all depend though if they had audio master tracks or if they only had the audio that was on the video and if but all they had was guess, the video yeah. then that's that's what yeah. you get it was mixed on the night that's it which but, um, is probably if they were recording reference videos every night that's most likely what's happened right so but they didn't they didn't though they might have filmed with one camera but to do pro shot oh, that rarely you. happened okay. so they might because they had all the cameras they might not thought to do all the audio as well who knows but yeah that's annoying i do think let's work as the second track that doesn't work for me because as i think toe jam said you can you can tell he's he's come out controversy was all in the dark but then um you know you get let's work and he can just see he's still even after controversy he's still like so full of this nervous energy and to my ears his falsetto is all over the place it is like really uncontrolled. Like the next track, third track, slow it down, do a ballad. His vocal is perfect, falsetto. But on Let's Work, it just seems a bit rough. And I think he might have, should have left Let's Work as a falsetto, like rock track to later in the show. But that might be just me. I don't know. I could have done without Mr. Dr. Fink flubbing the DMSR intro. It's only yes. one note, but it's right at the start. <laughs> And I'm just uh, guessing he lost a bit of money that night. I don't know. But it was. <laughs> well, I figured yeah. out what happened because the song's in C sharp. And I'm guessing because it's all dark. Yeah, yeah. He's got it, the first note is B. B, 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 B. Dun, dun. And he's obviously, you know, what, what's right next to B? C. So he's hit B and yeah. C at the same time when he's done that. Dun, 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 dun. That's what's happened. Yeah, I heard that and I'm just like, oh. And then I had to listen to it about three more times. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this has already been mentioned. I can do without the awful scream. The awful oh. scream near the end of yeah. the MSR. Somebody call the police. It's piercing. It is, it is it's ear piercing. It is bad. Like now, like now that ToeJam explained the thing with the gun, I get it. But it's still awful to hear. And like he even did it on the parade tour as well. And I'm just like, why are you still doing this years later? It's awful. But uh, yeah, definitely could do without that. Lisa's keyboard solo. Lisa's great. But I think at like four minutes, it's a bit long. I understand it's there. He's out the back doing a costume change, but yeah, that's four minutes is a, a bit much for that. <laughs> and they're setting up the piano. See, this is the thing. Ah, that's the, there you to go. start, he, they're setting up the piano and they're yep. taking it down. There's so, reasons yeah. for all this stuff. The last thing uh, MC said, Head does seem to have a very abrupt end. Like other times he performed this in those early years, you know, it was 10 minutes. This was only, you know, just over half that. So it is cut i'm not sure what went on maybe he just had enough maybe that was what he meant to do but that's uh, that's all i gotta say i don't have that many things it's pretty good overall see the setup and pack down of that piano like that little digital piano he had i mean it looks like a it is very small i like didn't notice of, that it looks like one of those fender Rhodes 88 models but you know fender has that kind of really unique sound but that particular thing sounds like an electric piano because it's got that mm. road case design and then you've got those tripod legs. And I think by the time, if I'm not mistaken, by the time the Purple Rain Tour comes on, he's got that set up on a sort of platform on wheels. So I think mm. they wheeled it Wheel in it, and, yeah. like on and off and they just locked the wheels. So it was a lot quicker getting it on and off. But I think in this tour, they hadn't worked that out yet, like the wireless transmitter. 
So they were setting it all up. He performs, and then they've got to pack it all down. So I think that's what it was. The weird yeah. thing with that keyboard, I never really saw a good shot of it, but it seems very small. There's no way that's like got five it octaves on it. Thing. It's like two. <laughs> it's like literally, it's literally like it's literally two octaves from what I can tell. Because mm-hmm. he's playing right down the left hand side of it. But you know, that's not really low notes on a piano. It's like mid range. So it's yeah, it's a very small. But you never really get a but clear he, picture of it, so you can't tell. Yeah, but he used it a lot in this tour and Purple Rain tour, mm. and then after that, he went to those little baby grand things. So. Yeah, which I think were those kind of same kind of pianos in just like a mock casing fake right? baby grand fake baby grand which yeah. when you look at it what was he using in 2016 yeah a digital keyboard sitting in a fake baby grand oh, uh, wow <laughs> still going still using the same ideas all these years later crazy all right all right all right toe jam let's not forget about you what are your um, i don't know if i have any left i think captain's taken all of mine so <laughs> what else have i got well the semitone thing in dmsr we're yeah. Dr. Fink hits the wrong note at the beginning. Oh. Um, Lisa Solo, I've just written horrible video effects <laughs> and somewhat somewhat dated sounds. Like, they sound very Blade Runner, those sounds, which work really well on the album, but looking on it live now, it's kind of like, oh, it is pretty dated, isn't it? Prince saying Merry Christmas at the beginning and the end Merry of the show. Merry like, Christmas! Just, I don't know. Just hearing Prince <laughs> say Merry Christmas, just something's not That's right. It's weird. There. Like, it yeah. is weird, yeah. Lady Cab Driver, I, I, I can totally see why... Prince struggled to play that one live. And I think the problem is after How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, like I think he could have led into that going going from How Come You Don't Call Me into in How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore into something maybe a bit more mid-tempo before going into mm. Lady Cab Driver, yeah. which is already at a faster pace than what it normally is on the album. So it's sort of just an awkward transition. And I oh. think you can sort of sense the crowd sort of like, oh, oh, what's going on? What's what's happening? No, I just wanted I just wanted to say. I think that's a perfect transition because he's, oh, talk- yeah, the, the he's talking about done. how come yeah, you don't the... call me and then it's like, ah, you're not going to call me, I'm out of here. And then he goes over and he yeah, literally no, calls cool. a taxi. That taxi. is freaking classic. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. No, no, that that idea is cool, but just the tra- like not the transition so much, just those two songs back yeah. to back yeah. is a bit yeah. odd. Yeah. Um, no blistering guitar solos from Prince. Mm. And the last one I've got is just I've written Tensions question mark and that is in that Dwayne Tudal book. Like I said, he starts the book in the 2nd of January, 83, and he's talking about all the tensions that the band's going through and things aren't going right. And the thing I could do without is, is I don't know. I mean, you watch this show, it's pretty damn energetic and there's a lot of smiles from Prince and a lot of playfulness going on. I, I just wonder, was there really all that as much tension as... as um, uh, a lot is- can change in a couple of days. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's right. So, um, you know, maybe maybe they came off stage and because of Dr. Fink's bum note, everything went to shit after that. <laughs> See, it all started. Yeah, Dr. yeah this is where started. it all started. It all started from when I hit B and C together. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. All right, that's all I got. I got nothing else. See, that that is one. That's one thing, like with a book like Dwayne's, as great and amazing as those books are, sometimes you, you, like, you learn things that you don't want to know. Like, now that I think about it, like, you look at all the band, they rarely smile. They rarely look like they're having a good time. Prince is up there, big showman. He's having a big smile, the great, the great showman, the whole show. But then when I think about it, you look at the band and they rarely smiled, rarely looked like they were having a great time. And now that you bring up that tensions thing, which I'd forgotten about, maybe there was, but, you know, Prince is out there, they're professional, they're doing, they're doing a show. They're not bringing their personal shit onto the stage. 
when they get backstage, that's a different thing. But yeah, sometimes you learn things for your personal shit, man. <laughs> the stage ain't no place for your personal shit. Exactly. <laughs> There's two things with that though. I find that in the early days of Prince, if you think of the stance of Prince with the band in the some of the album pictures, the them standing in the when Doves Cry video shoot the stance on the front of the Syracuse DVD, they're all banned. They're never smiling. It's uh, just kind of like this very serious look that they've thing. got all through. It's their thing. But beyond that and further to that, I've recently seen an interview with Morris Hayes and he said he actually, I think Prince had a go at John Blackwell for not smiling. And he said, hey, look at Morris over there. Morris is smiling. He's having a great like, time. Act, yeah. He's having a great time. Act like you want to be here kind of thing. So there's a certain point in the career where things change, where yeah. like, you know, everything in the early 80s, I guess it's of the era and of the time, you know, he has this serious kind of thing. But then later on in his career, he's very more relaxed and he wants, you know, it to sort of that energy to come out, you know, where the that's, whole band look like they're having a good time. That's really interesting because you think about, you know, all this early era stuff with the Lynn drum machine, it's a lot of cold, yep. unemotional stuff. And maybe their whole thing was like, we're the cold, unemotional band. But then as soon as that band was gone, you get Sign of the Times, everyone's laughing and smiling away, love sexy, everyone's having a great time. So it seems like it was that band itself that, that I was I think it thing. starts with Parade. I think... Um, you Actually, know, yeah, Parade, they look like fun. Yeah, yeah Parade, yeah. Parade tour, that's where it changes. I think that's partly Prince just wanting to get away from that, you know, moody, yeah. rain image. Get away from that cold drum machine thing. Well, I was going to say, I was going to go as far back as Syracuse because there are parts of Syracuse that stand out to me as, I guess, Wendy in particular. You know, she takes some guitar solos. She's dancing around doing a whole lot of stuff. You know, she's smiling and, and having a good time, certainly through parts of that 1985 show. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you guys, not as much as 86 but who knows? How fascinating would it be to know if it was something that they actually deliberately planned? Like, we're going to go out there and, you know, I want you guys to play your asses off, but I don't want you, like, smiling at the audience. We're not like every other band. He's like, don't take the focus away from me. People don't, they're, they're, they're here to see me. <laughs> it's funny because I notice like, Dez certainly plays with the crowd. He points to them a few times. He throws his picks to the crowd mm. a few times. Yeah. But he does kind of have this, like, I'm too cool for school. Like, he's not like... Big happy smiles. He's more like you know, cool. I'm I'm Mr. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It could be a cool thing, just the the way, the way they present presented themselves on stage. All right, that wraps up our shoot the duck segment. Now we're going into the next section, which is called "You Got the Look." This one is all about the visual aspects of. Whatever show we're talking about. Clothes, colours, stage show, attitude. Oh, there you go. Clothes, colours, stage show, attitude, and more. You got the look. Take it away, Tojam. Well, I guess we just kind of touched on the attitude part of it. We were talking about mm. uh, earlier, yeah. I was saying, you know, Prince himself seems to be in a really good mood, laughing and joking with the crowd and um, all into it, all comedic faces. And whereas, you know, the band maybe do have this kind of too cool for school kind of attitude, which. Uh, I guess yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more the era than anything else. I like the the look of all the clothes and everything, and I like the fact that every band member has a certain thing. Like Des has the red and black suit, and he's also got that red and black guitar, which yeah, it's not it quite a V neck, but it's something like that. Jill Jones, oh man, 
looking good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she has like that Marilyn Monroe kind of hair and lipstick and everything, but then she's wearing all the fishnet stuff. Cool. Uh, Lisa has her thing where I think she's just wearing like a black kind of like, uh, I don't know what you call it, some sort of dress. <laughs> Lisa's Dr. thing was Fink just that the, big hair. <laughs> yeah, blowing the hair. Uh, Dr. Fink's wearing the doctor outfit again. Brown Mark has kind of the more jackets and jeans, that kind of thing. So I like the And Bobby Z is always dressed to the nines, you know, wearing a suit kind of thing. So I like the way that everyone in the band has a certain look. So that's cool. Prince himself um, starts in the traditional purple trench coat, the very 1999 look. Then at one point he changes to the black kind of suit, that yeah. tight, roughly black suit. Um, then he goes back to the normal purple one again. And then, of course, for 1999, which is kind of the, the ending part Ooh, of the song. The big he comes, shiny one. The big shiny one. You know, which reminds me, it's very much like um, Can't Stop the Music. I don't know if you remember that movie. The Village People movie. <laughs> Village People. <laughs> <laughs> You can tell you can tell that coat was perfectly designed to just attract all the spotlights and just reflect yeah. so much light, and it does. Yeah, that can't stop the music movie. I remember watching it when I was yeah. a kid. Like you know, in all the performances, yeah. they're just wearing like their normal clothes. You know, the cowboy guys exactly. wearing the cowboy outfit, and the you know the, the, <laughs> the, the truck guys wearing his truck thing. The police, and then at the last song, they all come out wearing sparkly versions of their stuff. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> so it's such. It's just eighties, nineteen eighties. I really like the stage. I mean, it's very, very, very simple. It's obviously pretty. Prince mega fame before he could have these massive stage setups. But obviously he's got the bed thing there. Yeah, he's on he's the got way. He's got a big kind of, uh, I don't know what you call it, almost like Venetian blind kind yeah, of laser yeah, things blinds, going on in yeah. the background. They look kind of interesting. And I just like the way that the lights are almost exclusively purple and red. Well, either purple, red, or just a you know white spotlight. White, yeah. Um, there's, I don't remember seeing any like green lights or um, yellow lights. It's just, you know, purple and purple red, maybe and red a little bit of blue. Brings us back yeah. perfectly to why this DVD doesn't look great. Is those colours are awful <laughs> for lighting for for, for yeah. film. It doesn't look good. <laughs> but that's the look, you know. That's that's yeah. the 1999 look, the, the purple music look. So, yeah, and no, I think it's it's really good in capturing that consistent sort of thing. Uh, yeah. All right, um, Captain. What oh, are your thoughts on this part? Okay, stage show. Well, I think player somebody somebody already said. Let's talk about the entire first song being done totally almost in the dark. Just a few backstage lights behind those big Venetian blinds. It's a really cool effect, but, you know, again, who but Prince comes out and does the whole first song pretty much in the dark. It's just crazy. <laughs> the and suspense. The it's, suspense yeah, it's, of it It's all. cool to just see him up there just as this silhouette, just being funky all over the place and slamming his foot with the kick drum. It's just such a cool image to see. It's cool, but I'm sitting there thinking, oh, when are they going to turn the lights on? So I'm waiting <laughs> yeah. all the way through the song, and I thought, oh, by the chorus, we'll we'll see him, you know? Yeah. And it's just like the whole song, yeah. it's just like he's <laughs> in the silhouette. The it is cool the way those Venetian blind things slowly come down as well. So you imagine walking into the theatre, the stage, uh, into the arena or whatever, whatever it is, and I imagine you just see like a normal curtain behind it, and then as the first song starts, then those big Venetian things come down. That's kind of cool. You know what's even more impressive? The Venetian blinds aren't easy. Like no. they bend and yeah. they they're they're a real pain in the ass. So the fact that they come down and they all they all look perfect. Mm. And you know, this is like on a tour, like they would get knocked around and thrown into road cases and travel around. The fact that it all looks perfect all the time. They would have to yeah. be so careful with those things. 
Exactly. There is a bootleg video of one of the other <gasps> 1999 tour shows that I've seen, and I swear one of those like laser things are broken because it like never lights up in a certain spot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Roy. Roy. Roy <laughs> it's all Roy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you really don't see him until Let's Work, and then he's wearing that cool purple trench coat. He comes, slides down his big fireman pole. I mean, what an entrance. We've, all, we've always talked about how obsessed he was with making a big entrance. I mean, come on. The first time you see him, well, in the light in this show, sliding down that pole, it's just crazy. Uh, like you said, Dez is wearing that cool red and black suit, matches his red and black guitar. But then you notice by the time you're about halfway through the show, I think Lady Cab Driver has totally lost the top half of it. It's just too hot to wear clothes, obviously, which is cool. I've got to say, I was about 35, 40 minutes in before I even realized Jill Jones was in this show. Like, mm. it's nothing that she did. It's just, it was the camera work. Like, I went back and looked and they did show her really quickly earlier on. But the first shot, which lasted more than like a second or two, was like 40 minutes in. And I'm like, the first time I'm like, oh, Jill, Jill Jones, there she is. And then I had to go back and like, oh, was she there the whole time? Yeah, she was. But um, yeah, it's really quick shots. You blink and you'll miss it before that. Get your pause button ready. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, international Lover. The whole song, you've got that red neon heart on on stage which is another thing he used like motif he used on later tours like sign of the times you had the heart and you had neon everywhere sign of the times and he had a heart guitar and he had heart there's all these things all comes back it's all connected and it was reused on the rave dvd ah yes yeah is it the same one wow (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if it's the same one, if it's the same size, but it's the same sort of thing, you know. Yeah. It's, it reminds you, like idea. when you see yeah. it in Rave, yeah, yeah, you think back to this era. I wouldn't put it past him to use the same one, just goes into the basement. He, yeah, he did keep a lot home. of stuff. He kept a lot of stuff, so it's, it could, perfectly could be the same one. Like we said, the bed comes out up at the top level of the stage. And again, so cool, he brought a lot of this stuff like this is just evolving and he brought this on later on other tours diamonds and pearls had the bed love sexy had the bed i think yep. was the fireman pole also from controversy tour yeah and it was on new tour but yeah like controversy tour and then he kept that over and then just evolved the stage even more at purple rain he yep. had the bathtub he just loved getting into these big stage yep. props that love sexy you had the car you had the basketball <laughs> you had bloody everything it's just insane multi-level <laughs> stages and this was probably the start of that because controversy seemed pretty simple in that way. But this, you've mm. got a bunch of different levels and rises going up and climbing up on shit. It's crazy stuff. <laughs> My props are multi-layered. Yeah, exactly. Don't stop me now. Like his funk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last thing, the insane lighting during the 1999 track itself, especially near ah, the end. You took it's it like the goddamn time. mothership coming down, like Parliament Funkadelic. It's just uh, insane. Is, yeah. That is like, again, that'd be Roy, Roy Bennett, and just smoke. insane yeah. lighting. It is so cool to watch. And like that track, Good. because of all that lighting, is probably the best looking out of every track on this video because it's just so lit. With so many lights, it looks really good. <laughs> it's lit. It is it's lit. lit. All right. It is so lit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, but that's it. Okay. Player, what are your thoughts on the You Got The Look segment? I like the fact that this is kind of the first tour look-wise where Prince tones it down a little bit. Every tour before this, he's wearing either oh, bikini, bikini briefs, yeah. leg warmers. And I think it might get back to that Rolling Stone performance because Ooh. that's kind of the last time he... Yep. You know, he strutted that stage wearing the bikini just to get the reaction and all that. 
after that... Oh, he got the reaction. <laughs> yeah. After that, you never really saw him. So everything that he wears, it's, you know, very... It's still the trench coats, but he's wearing, you know, he's got the pants on for the most part. And the actual suit and the trench coat, it's pretty much the same, but different colors. So he's got, you know, the felt purple, then the black... Then the purple again, and then the sparkly coat, and then at the end, he, you know, he's got his shirt off, but he isn't down to his his briefs. You know, still so. wearing pants. How um, how conservative? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so look wise, it's it's more conservative than his previous tours. Mm. So he's covering up a bit more. You know, obviously he you know rips the shirt open to get the reaction every now and again, but you know he's not really sort of using the image as a what would you call it like a gimmick or you know to shock value Mm. so that's one thing that's noticeable and i guess the other thing is the actual stage show it's very much or the stage set it's very much uh you know little red corvette and 1999 videos you know they filmed it basically using the same set so you've got these dual ramps and the fire pole and the venetian blinds and the lights and the multi-levels and the speaker stacks at the side so it's a very it's a very symmetrical, uniformed look. You know, It's he can pretty much do what he wants with it, but he doesn't really sort of, you know, he doesn't run up and down the ramps all the time. So it's there, but he's got the hydraulics with the bed and, you know, where he comes up at the start. So all that's really cool. And you can see how this evolves, you know, from tour to tour. Every mm. tour there's, you know, he adds something, something gets added and, you know, or made better Tweaked. or whatever yeah. the case yeah, so you know, it's all—it's almost like watching a work in progress. So it's—it's it's really cool. So I think that's great. And this is a Roy Bennett production, correct? Yes, yes. The I think first, it was his first one? tour. Yeah, yeah, the first tour. Yeah. So or he might have been involved in controversy because I think they had the Venetian blind thing going a little bit as well in that tour. Okay, okay. So well, it's a bit—it's around this time. Yeah. This is early. This is pretty much the beginning or thereabouts. There or thereabouts for Roy Bennett's influence on Prince's stage. And it's definitely the early days, yes. Yeah, and, and I I love it. I mean, Roy Bennett, I think, arguably created the greatest stage stage sets and experiences on stage as far as, you know, the visual elements, I think. And here, yeah, you, I mean, what you guys have mentioned, you know, the multi-level stage, three different sections at different heights, fireman's pole, etc. The light in front of Bobby Z's... Uh, drum kit that's really really cool and the color scheme you know there's purple blue but there's also slight variations there's reds and violets pinks and and even some white lights again especially when the the drum light comes on and that's all used to evoke an atmosphere which is pretty much the color scheme of the 1999 album the way it's presented you know if you open the vinyl record or even the cd booklet and stuff i mean those are all the colors that you see from that era and there you go. They're on the stage. So it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, it's funny. You guys say that Des is in a black and red cutout type suit sort of thing. Um, th- this shows you w- why it's so frustrating with how this is filmed as far as bleeding of colors. Cause I thought it was Navy blue. Now, n- not that it makes a big oh, difference, but it, it, it just, might be. it just shows you like, it's not clear. <laughs> It'll never be 4k, but um, this is the sort of stuff you can't really I, I just 100%. went. I just went with logic, and I'm like, there's not many people out there who are going to get a red and yeah. navy blue guitar, but probably red and black. So. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even. Yeah. I mean, I was just looking at his um, suit, 
More no, so but you any. see in like the um, Little Red Corvette video, it's red and black. Oh, oh is he like, wearing the same thing? Because it's filmed a lot better. Uh, yeah. Well, and he's be using the same, the same guitar. And he's still got his kamikaze bandana on his head. Too. <laughs> Karate Kid. Till the end. Uh, the other thing just visually that struck me was when watching uh, Brown Mark play during, for example, DMSR, watching him, and I don't know where this came from. It's like some alternate parallel universe in my brain. It just reminded me of watching Phil Linnett from Thin Lizzy. I don't know if anyone else gets that oh, ap- ap- yeah. appearance. I'm like, is that yeah. Phil? Oh, no, it's Brown Mark. I'm like, holy crap. Like, he looks exactly yeah, like does. Phil Linnett. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> like, playing the bass. They both play bass. Well, Roaming. yeah, it's still that punk kind of vibe. And not that Thin Lizzy is that, you know, exclusively punk. But, you know, in the early 80s, they still got that sort of punkish vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very similar vibe. And I wonder, again, this is a bit of a conspiracy theory on the show, was it no. a visual thing that Prince wanted? You know, like, I want you to look like <laughs> Phil from Thin Lizzy. Who knows? Because um, they were quite a rebellious band in their day. And even the clothing, um, hair, facial hairstyle, kind of similar between Brown Mark and, and uh, who I just mentioned. Oh, so, hey, we haven't even funny. mentioned Bobby Z and that mustache. That is, that's a mustache <laughs> for the ages, man. Epic. That is, that is epic. <laughs> I think moustache in his Mustachio. case. <laughs> it's funny how it's um, I think, Captain, you, you mentioned that how during How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, all of a sudden Des is shirtless. Yeah. Well, there you go. The show must go on. But speaking of chewing gum, which is what Player mentioned, I think, earlier, I think Des is actually doing some gum chewing during Lady Cab Driver, which is the perfect song to chew gum on. It's just too cool for school, <laughs> that guy. And um, I love his guitar solo as well on that same song, even though it's not a visual element. I find that the the appearance and the way that Des moves when he plays his guitar, yeah. I don't know, like he really uses it almost like a more than an instrument. It's like a device, almost like a performance prop, you know, with the well <laughs> the teeth and gesturing it all it's over definitely the place more style and- than substance, I'll say that. One of those solos is pretty bad, but it looks good. It looks great, but doesn't sound that great. I mean, there's a lot of rock, you know, rock, rock guitar posing, and all, and and he. De- I think his tone is pure rock, but yeah, visually, he he does add something to that show, which I think wasn't really there afterwards. I can't think of anyone that came afterwards outside of Wendy that really kind of had a movement kind of this, this approach to movement and dance while they're playing guitar as much as uh, Des did. So mm. I think he deserves some props. But there's one more thing visually. There's a pinkish light that comes on or turns on at the bottom section of the stage setup during automatic. That's really, really cool. Uh, it just is a cool visual element. Uh, you guys have mentioned the heart, which is a great touch. And there's just nice things that that Roy's, presumably it's Roy, mainly Roy's influence here. He's really chosen some cool elements and they're very simple. At some point though, it seems like a red light district on, on some parts yeah, of the stage. It's yeah. very early version, like almost of Sign of the Times, like with the neon lights. It's really yes. cool. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the, I agree with Toe Jam. The first, the first proper sighting of Jill Jones is very nice uh, mm. during Automatic. And again, speaking of visual elements, Prince doing his iconic Literary Corvette video during Automatic, then taking his jacket off, jumping on the equipment racks on the side of the stage, leading this striking coda to that very same song. That, that is a visual 
feast for the eyes and the amount of movement that guy's doing on stage, not just singing, but dancing is, is crazy. Oh, yeah. He's all and then over he, the place. <laughs> he is. And then he sits on Bobby's front drum part um, with Bobby smiling. I think you guys have mentioned that as well. It's all a bit, a little bit reminiscent for me of what Freddie Mercury and Roger Taylor would do at Queen shows with Freddie, you know, running around like a lunatic on the stage and, um, you know, jumping on top of Roger Taylor's drum set and all this sort of stuff. Very, very reminiscent. Finally, Captain mentioned this, and I have to close on this, right at the end of 1999, when those lights turn on, man, you really see the magnitude. It's almost like they've been hidden for most of the show, you know? Um, They just beam with electricity. It's like this is clearly the biggest production of his career up until that point, uh, and it would only get bigger from then. So, um, yeah, it's a cool look. He would have been like, look, this is 1999. This is the big last song. Uh, We need to blow their heads off, (laughs) get Get every single light and turn it on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the electricity bill tonight? Ah, screw Don't it. Don't worry Just about it. <laughs> press the big red button. I'll take that out of um. I'll take that out of Fink's pay for screwing up DMSO. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to add one thing about Jill Jones. The first line of 1999, which the girls sing, you get the camera on Lisa and Jill. And when Jill goes into the mic to sing it, I swear to God, I thought she was just going to pash Lisa right on the mouth. <laughs> just the way she went yeah, into the mic. You were hoping or you thought? I thought it was going to happen. Like, again, I didn't know what was going to happen in this show. As soon as coming up to that first line, just the way she goes into the mic and she's looking right at Lisa, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen, but uh, I really thought it was for some reason. <laughs> Is I mean, Pash a universal colloquialism? Kiss? French kiss, maybe? I just really <laughs> thought that was going to happen for some reason. And then it didn't. I'm like, oh, what a letdown. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that should go in the shoot the duck. You've been so let down by that moment. Oh, no, no. It was... It was uh, it was part of the stage show, so yeah. Part of the Jill Jones section, the appearance. <laughs> but Jill Jones also has that, and so does Lisa in a more kind of subtle way. They've got this like like disconnected, like eyes half closed, like really dr- kind of dreamy eyed look. It's yeah, like, yeah. you just stand, really you just cool. get back there, Jill, and look sexy. Sing mm. sing your parts and just look look like you do. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so that brings us to the end of you got the look. And now it's time for... Stop the Press. Okay, so Stop the Press is the next segment on this episode. This is where we talk about reviews, critical reviews, fan reviews, and basically the reception to the show that we're talking about. Let's get right into it. Take it away. Play up. Well, I haven't seen any, apart from general 1999 reviews, I haven't seen any reviews specifically about this particular show, but I know that the 1999 tour was well received. And I also know that, you know, some critics, quote unquote, or, and even some of the audience members thought that the time kicked Prince's ass mm-hmm. in some of these shows. So, <laughs> but we're never to know because they didn't put that part of the show on this DVD. So. It's very hard to say, but I think this whole tour is generally well received. So I'm sure we can look this up. I can't think exactly where to look, but we know that he dropped the time and vanity in the big cities. Does Houston count as a big city? This might have just been a solo show with no one else. Ah, uh, that's that's a good point. Yeah. We did mention it before. According to Prince Vault, the support acts did play on this one. Okay, then who knows? Um, Prince might have might have only turned on the camera during his performance i doubt it though because (laughs) he would have like he would have filmed everything and then gone back to morris and go oh you stuffed up here and i want you to take this out and all that so it's more likely he recorded you're not getting paid (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> hey guys, the, the time, the energy is a bit too high. Could you just turn it down a notch, please? Yeah, too much energy. Too much energy. I'm docking you for too much energy. <laughs> uh, Captain, have you got something for us? I do. Now, I don't know about original reviews of the 1990 shows back in 1982, but I'll talk about the reviews about this release, this DVD in particular, and they're pretty mixed. Like Some people are saying it's, it's awful, it's garbage, it's the worst quality concert they've ever seen. Meanwhile, sensible people understand this is probably the best quality pro shot concert available in the vault of this particular tour, and accept it for what it is. It's a product of its time, limited by many factors, almost all of which are outside the estate's control, to repair, so they did what they could. And we know uh, Dwayne Tudal, credited with executive producer on this disc, he would have done everything he could to make it as good as possible. They possibly could have done more, but, you know, things cost money, and this is the business. All I can say is if this is the worst quality Prince concert you've ever watched, sourced from a VHS... You must have never seen a bootleg in your life because I've seen videos from like the 90s that look 10 times worse than this. You, can't, you, you couldn't even tell which colorful blob on stage was Prince or another band member. So for those saying this is the worst thing ever, you are just instantly dismissed from me hearing that ridiculousness. I mean, you can't go back and fix the lighting so it's lit for camera. You can't go back and put this on film instead of VHS. You can't go back and mix the audio for this tape and not the venue it was performed in. You know, the audio would have been mixed for that venue, not for the mix on the tape. Like, this is what it is. I think for a VHS tape, you know, sitting on a shelf for over 35 years, it's bloody great quality, you know. You go find me a tape from your garage. Yeah, A video I tape that, that looks as good as this. Yeah seriously yeah it's bloody good for what it is it's never going to look great on a 80 inch tv in 2020 you know almost nothing prince ever recorded to tape will just get over that fact once you do you'll appreciate these things a lot more and you'll be a happier person the end <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah so captain i had very similar thoughts but it's mainly down to the fact that reviews of this dvd bit have been mixed right and some people are absolutely in love with it and others are loving the performance, but as you said, are a little bit, not annoyed, but they're kind of, I guess everyone was hoping in this day and age and in, in this era that we're living through in the 4K era that they were going to have something crystal clear, but you just can't, it doesn't work that way. That is a very know, it's unrealistic on... expectation. And I think, yes. I think you could look at the positive and negative reviews on this the quality of this release solely down to the age of the person yes and the and the quality of this release only from the perspective of what it looks and and potentially sounds like so audio visual stuff i think as far as the performance itself um i'd say everything that i've read has pretty much been singing its praises everyone's saying yeah. this is you know early 80s prime time prince in the band basically kicking butt and it's never been seen before, never been heard before. This show certainly has never come out. So, you know, it's all been kind of five-star reviews as far as the performance. So that's, um, from what I can tell, um, you know, as a, a generalization. The other thing is the fact that this 1999 Super Deluxe set has included a DVD has been really, really positive. Because just because you're producing a deluxe version of an album doesn't necessarily mean you're automatically going to provide people with yeah. an audio disc. And a video. Yeah, they didn't have to, but they did. Yeah. 
So people have been really, really happy, I think, with the fact that there's so many bloody discs of material, uh, including the Frisbee. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you're getting so much for your, your bang for buck, so to speak. So, um, yeah, that's been quite kind of positive. And that's pretty much it for me. I, I will just say that for these early shows, it is difficult to go through a whole lot of press reviews at the time and fan reviews at the time because of the era, you know. Yeah. More recent concerts, especially post the internet, internet yeah. age or period, uh, a little bit easier to do. But um, Yeah, going back and finding newspaper clippings about a show in 1982, not the easiest thing to do. Something <laughs> a bit out of our, um, you know, above our pay grade. We, we didn't get a chance to go to the library and go to the microfish yeah. <laughs> and figure it out. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, anyone else got any comments on this one before we go to the next segment? No. Okay. The next section is called Release It. You better wake up and release it. Okay. Now, this section is all about us talking about whether we'd like to see a certain performance released on video or on audio or in any other form. Today, it's a little bit different because this actually has come out. So I'm just going to go around the virtual roundtable and ask everyone what they think of the release since it, in fact, has come out. And I'm presuming that everyone's happy that it has. So from left to right, player. Yes, I am happy this has come out, primarily because we don't have anything from the 1999 era, really. Mm. The really the, before this, the first concert tour really we had was from Purple Rain onwards. And even then, uh, you know, around, what, 2002, 2003, you stopped doing the, releasing the full concert. So, it is great to have a 1999 concert. It's great to have it in the quality that it is. It's surprising. But it's not without its, you know, issues. And, you know, Captain hit the nail on the head. Like, there's only so much you can do to fix it up. But in saying that, there is little things that you can do. You can't make it 4K. And you can't, you know, you, you can't, for this particular thing, you can't turn it from water to wine. Most definitely. You can't do that. But the one thing I will say is the people in the collector's market, if they can get things to a level, you know, you, as an official thing, you have to at least beat that. <laughs> if yeah. the bootleggers are doing things that are better quality than you, then that's, that's a bit of a problem. And that's how I feel about this release. There's certain things that they still could have done to this release to make it a little bit better. Um, that's not a shot at anybody. I know Dwayne Tudal, he's a great guy and I know his background is television based. He is involved in my favorite TV show of all time, which is Unsolved Mysteries. So, Ooh. you know, wow. I really love Dwayne. But it says video enhancement. I, I'd really like to know what sort of, you know, the quality they found it to what they've released, what they've actually done. Uh, and that's not just, it, that's not a picky thing. It's, I'm not saying like, what have you done here? And, you know, pointing fingers. Yeah, I'd love to actually see just a few minutes of the original. Like a before and yeah. after. Yeah. Just to see like kind of what they have done. Same with Nico Bolas. It's his video or like audio enhancement or something. So I just kind of like, I mean, and I'm just nerdy in that sense. I, I just like to know what they have done, how it was found, how they made it better. Um, and that sort of stuff. But I would say for future releases, and, you know, if they're going to do these special deluxe editions, particularly for older things, you know, controversy, we're potentially looking at the second coming. Um, there may be, there is footage of Dirty Mind era stuff. I would really like them to really, you know, put some effort, like the the rest of the box set, they've been working on it for a couple of years. So 
and they put a lot of love and effort into it so put the same amount into the video so we don't expect miracles but have a go all right all right toe jam what are your thoughts uh, i'll start with saying i'm very 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 happy that it's released and prince live dvds officially released live dvds are pretty scarce so anytime something comes out got to be grateful um i will repeat some of the things i said when we did the part one review and that is if you're going to release a dvd in this day and age just release a Blu-ray. Put it on a Blu-ray. You get an extra four or five gigabytes on there. You can possibly eliminate some of that pixelation, although it's not too bad. It's only an hour, so you don't notice too much of it. But, you know, in this day and age, a Blu-ray doesn't cost much more than a, a DVD, I'm sure. So should have, been, should have been on a Blu-ray. And also, too, with that extra space, you can put on all the official videos. Exactly, you know, If you wanted yeah. to fill up that space yeah. because there's so much more gigabytes on a Blu-ray disc, yeah. Yeah. Put, the, put, put the official videos and all that on there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the second thing is I feel bad for the people who bought this set digitally um, without realizing that they weren't going to get the DVD content. So I think this still should be released somehow digitally, whether it's a digital download or they chuck it on YouTube like they did the Cafe de Paris show. It's probably not quality enough in terms of the, the video footage and everything to to justify doing it as like a Netflix flick special or something like that. But, you know, it could be done on YouTube like they did the Café de Paris one. Something like that would be nice, I think. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm happy it's released. I'll take it. Ah, but Toe Jam, you're forgetting something. On the official Warner Brothers, at least Warner Brothers Australia site, right down at the very bottom of all the content you get on this box set, it says, note... Video content is exclusive to the physical DVD and will not appear on digital download or streaming versions of the Super Deluxe Edition set. Ooh. Oh, oh, that's great. I will buy it then. But you scroll to the top, what does it say? Sold out. Thank you, Warner Brothers Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but see, even though they put that on there, it's in this small writing right at the bottom of the page. They're obviously using that as a selling point, saying like, we don't have the intention of releasing this online. You have to buy it as a physical mm. thing. Yeah. So, oh. yeah, I'd love to see it come out online, but the, they're basically outlining like this will never come out digitally, which is a shame, which I think yeah. they should. I was just about to say that. It's like the thing's basically sold out in many places now anyway. It's pretty much out of print already unless they're going to make more, which they probably won't. So if you can't even buy it, what's stopping them then putting it out mine. on something? Well, yeah. <laughs> For people like that couldn't get it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, Captain, what do you think? Well, I think as a bonus disc on this 1999 deluxe release, it was a good choice. It was, I mean, they probably didn't have a massive number of pro shot shows from this tour to choose from. You know, they probably only had a couple. And I'm guessing this one was the best quality one that they had. And then they worked on that. I'm happy it was released. That's about all I can say. It's good. I like it. It's released. The end. It's come out. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of like you and, and the rest of you guys in that I'm super happy that it's come out. I mean, from this tour, there's so little video and now we finally have something that's official. I think the audio quality is better than the video quality. That's the way I'd put it. I think the video yeah. is very watchable. It's definitely very watchable. The content it really is really what is the best thing about it. You know, it's a Prince show from a period in his career where he was still so hungry on stage and there was this nervous tension and, and uh, nervousness that you guys spoke about. You've got Des Dickerson, you've got Brown Mark, young Brown Mark on stage, all these people that would, um, you know, end up 
becoming part of the Prince mythology. Possibly little did they even know it at the time, how big the whole thing would become and, and maybe even Prince himself, how big his career would turn out to be. But this is just going back in time, you know, sitting down and whether it's by yourself or with someone that that you're with at, and just, you know, time warp back to 1982. Lots of synths, lots of colors, lots of Minneapolis sound, a funky ass band and a funky ass guy at the front of the stage. You just can't go wrong, <laughs> I think. Yeah, it's good that's to basically have. it. It's good to have. Definitely good to have. So with that, we get to our overall summary and wrap up with our final segment, Had You. All right, play our final thoughts. I think this is great. I love that it's on this. And I think for all Super Deluxe Editions, they should have a DVD of some sort of live or outtake footage or something. So this is great. All right, nice. Toe Jam. Um, I follow those sentiments. I think the show's a really great show with great energy. The best footage you'll ever find of this era, really. And um, I'm very happy it's been released. Okay. Two out of four ain't bad. Captain. Wow, this is a quick wrap-up, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Jeez. As with anything I haven't seen or haven't heard before from Prince, and we've all said this a million times, I'm happy to have it. I'd much rather have it than not having it. Even if I hated this DVD, as some people seem to do, I would still be happy that I had it and the fact that the estate had released it. So there we go. It's good. I like it. Compared to (laughs) something like Aladdin, I will watch this more than twice in my life. The end. <laughs> okay. Well, you've you guys have stolen my notes again, haven't you? Yes, I'm in agreement. I think all four of us are in agreement about this. A great addition to the super deluxe set. You just can't go wrong with this. And the other thing that this does, I think player mentioned this was uh, when he said, you know, hopefully everything that comes out, every deluxe edition comes out with DVD or video content. You know, I can't agree with that more. It's just, it has to be the case is him on the stage, not just listening to him, but seeing him and his band perform, it's potentially the best possible way to experience Prince's music. I think in a live stage, you know, we always say, and especially on this show being Peach and Black Plus reviewing his live shows, his live legacy. I think it's fair to say that this show definitely adds to that. It deepens the, uh, the legacy for sure. And puts a great spotlight on it. Roy Bennett puts a great spotlight on Uh, it. Yeah, 1982 Prince. The thing is, Prince is not here. We can't go and see a show. So now, this is the difference to when he was here and now he's not here, is now we cannot go and see a live show. So anything that they put out like this is the best thing we're going to get. It's the second best thing that we're going to get. That's it. Did, all right, all did right. I get my point across? Does, it was just silence. <laughs> yes, I don't know if it was a little bit somber. I don't know if anyone got that, but, but um, yes, that of course, yes. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> okay, this has been a Peach and Black Plus episode. Thank you so much Ooh. for listening. We hope you enjoyed the experience. And if you have and you're a member, well, there's more shows coming out shortly. And if you're not, but you're definitely keen on joining or learning more, go to peachandblackplus.com. And Check it out, baby. Find everything out. Uh, this has been the Peach and Black Podcast once again. Thank you. See ya. R.I.P. Black Mumba. 
You've been listening to the Peach and Black Plus podcast. Thank you for being a Plus member and for your support. Catch all our episodes at podbean.com, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Mixcloud, and all other good podcast directories. Search for Peach and Black Podcast. Continue the Peach and Black experience online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The Peach and Black Podcast is written and produced by Rob S., otherwise known as MC, Captain, Player, and ToeJam. Original theme music by ToeJam. Audio production and additional audio editing by Captain at That's Me at Funky Temple Studios. Episode artwork by Reverend. Share our podcast with your friends and other Prince fans. If you love our show, please write a review, give us star ratings. You can contact the Peach and Black Podcast by email at peachandblackpodcastofficial at gmail.com. 